Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Inner Sales Podcast. I am your host, Russ Selzer. Uh, have a new John. <laughs> that didn't sound right, but have a new John joining us today. Normally, John Stannis is joining us as co-host. Today, I'm uh, really pleased to have John Redman joining us. John is a growth CFO with Foresight CFO. We'll give you a little bit about our background, but say hi, John. Hello, everyone. Uh, pleased to meet you and pleased to be on the show, Russ. Yeah, I appreciate it. So John and I go back a little a little bit of uh, time here. We've we have some mutual clients, one of which I'm really delighted is joining us today. Um, so we have with us um, Lois Gammerman and Bob Gammerman. Uh, Lois and Bob own uh, Soft Stuff Distributors. So say hi, Bob and Lois, if you would. Hey. Good morning. So I, I really appreciate you joining us uh, today. Uh, John and I had the idea to kind of get together and work. Actually, a little bit of the background Um I've known Bob and Lois for several months now, and I support uh, their team, their sales team. And then John, John, you've been involved uh, with Soft Stuff for a little bit of time now, helping yep. them from a growth CFO perspective. Correct. We were we, they brought us in to help uh, make the next level, make the next move, move their company from where it was up, and do it intentionally. So we had some cleanup to do of uh, of old finances and numbers, and then we started planning for future growth when we had this little surprise. Yeah. 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 So the, the subject of this and why we thought it'd be great to get together, especially in this time is really because I think Bob and Lois have really set an example for dealing with an incredible situation um, and really recreating and beginning to recreate your business in this new, whatever happens economy. And so Bob and Lois, if you would, you have the same name, right? So you must know each other. It's <laughs> a coincidence. Yeah, it's not my brother, I'll tell you that. So, uh, if you would, why don't you give us a little bit of the background to get the audience kind of level set as to you know the history of your business, what you started, where you focused, the markets, all that kind of fun stuff, and then we'll take it from March 16th on. So, I'm Lois Gammerman. I'm the president and CEO of Soft Stuff Distributors, as well as now Shop Soft Stuff and uh, soon to be Mid Atlantic Cold Storage. Uh, Bob and I have been together now for going on, uh, it'll be 34 years. We've been in business together at Soft Stuff. Uh, August will be 31 years. We're a specialty food service distributor, we cover Philadelphia through Richmond, and our plan this year was to expand out into uh, Virginia Beach, uh, Norfolk, the Tidewater area. Um, historically, we carried breads, desserts, ice cream, hors d'oeuvres, uh, cookies, you know, people would say deliver. Oh, that's all the good stuff. And that's where our tagline delivering the good stuff came from. Uh, we are still doing that, but because of the way the world actually stopped on March 16th for us, when all food service and hospitality venues closed, we needed to figure out a way to, I don't want to say reinvent ourselves, but to, supplement what we were doing and take the assets that we had and the knowledge that we'd acquired and figured out how to redeploy it. Everybody wants to talk about how they pivot. Bob and I are not pivoting. We're swiveling. We're moving from one business to the other effortlessly. Ha ha ha. Back <laughs> trying to figure out how we stock product um, in one warehouse to service two businesses um, not just servicing food service and hospitality, but we've launched Shop Soft Stuff 
to be able to address the uh, the needs of our community, which is grocery. So it's been fun. We're learning new businesses. We're now in poultry and seafood and beef and produce, which if you seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, if we'd be in, I would have looked at you funny and walked away. But now you have to look at the whole world funny and figure out where you are. So, uh, cause I've had the pleasure of knowing you for a while. I mean, I think you, you two really complement each other in terms of areas of focus, you know, Lois, of course you're the president and Bob, you sort of, you know, functionally you play different roles certainly, but even from a more of a creative or vision perspective. So not defined by these um, descriptions, but I am supposed to be the visionary and Lois is the implementer. Um, I, and we, we cross over each other's uh, uh, responsibilities often, but really Lois is, is, is more of the um, making sure everything gets done kind of person. And I'm the person who uh, is a, a loose cannon uh, trying to figure out how to do new things or the same things we're doing better. Um, my title is COO. It's uh, honorary for sure. <laughs> um, but you know, the from the beginning of the of the business, we worked shoulder to shoulder, and and when it was just the two of us uh, out of the sunroom of our house, we um, made sure all of the aspects of the business got done, and that's how we grew. We weren't smarter than anybody else. We we just worked harder and, and ran faster than than the rest of the crowd. Well, the thing, and having heard some of the stories, which unfortunately we won't have time to get into, how you started up, you know, really, I, I was always admired by the the fearless, what appeared to be the fearless part of it. You know, you'd buy a cart and you'd go sell something in a square after a bar closed. I mean, it was really almost a fearless way of how you're going to do this and just sort of, you know, make it up as you go, you know, over the last 31 years. I'm not saying there wasn't a plan or anything, but it was that... Yeah, you know, there was no plan. We came to a fork in the road, and we made a decision, and we came to another fork in the road, and hopefully, we were right most of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had said to you guys earlier um, that most businesses um, back in the day started out of. Um, some it's back in the day, March fifteenth. Yeah, prior to March. Right, right. March BC. I think old rules kind of were put on pause for a while while all the very smart MBAs ran around out there crafting their world domination plan for using venture capital money. And then there was the rest of us who figured out how to do it um, by uh, cashing in savings or, or buying something and selling it immediately and then generating cash flow, right? Uh, I think those rules now can come back into play as of uh, March the 15th or 16th, depending upon where you're located in the country. So life uh, events and things that are beyond your control often put you in a situation where you can choose to be reactive or you can choose to be retreating. I'm not a cowering wallflower and neither is Bob. We come at things very differently, but at the same time, we come out to them with the same perspective. And for us, failure has never been an option. And when you talk about 33 years ago, you know, you do things very differently when you're 30 or 27 or whatever those ages are, and your mortgage payment is like $217 a month, and you have no kids. And, um, you know, you think back about 
like when you were a teenager and you were fearless and you never thought you would die when you're 27 or you're 30 and you don't have kids and again, a $217 a month mortgage payment, um, you can be fearless then too. And I understand that there's a lot of people who are going to be listening to this that have thousands of dollar mortgage payments and they have overhead that they have to support and infrastructure. And these are bleak and scary times if you want them to be bleak and scary. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to do this because I think it, you do offer some hope and what do you do from here? And I, you know, I've talked to enough people, including myself who felt paralyzed at some moment, you know, where do you go? What do you do? How do you get out of the funk? I can't leave. I can't do business as normal, all that stuff. But John, why don't you take us into, okay. So, you know, March 16th, you know, mm. and what, from there, what happened? Well, actually, the, the story actually starts a little before that because we had some warning that something was happening. Right. So we had, we had talked before, kind of game planned. Uh, well, what's the worst case scenario? Let's say you lose 10 or 20% of your business. Maybe as bad as 50%. <laughs> we should set up, you know, some scenarios in case we have a few weeks where you have a real hit to revenue. Um, and so that was, so we had kind of had that discussion but then on March 16th, uh, you know, it, it kind of landed with a thud and it, it turned out to be a lot worse than that. But to, to, uh, to Lois and Bob's credit, they were able to kind of think about those things ahead of time, a few days ahead of time, which helps. But it's, uh, it's still, it has to be responded to properly. So, uh, so I'll, I'll let them kind of tell you what happened on, actually happened on uh, what, after that day to the revenue and to their decision-making, because I think that's critical here. Um, it's one thing to, to be well-prepared and another thing to, to respond well. And I think we're talking about, I think, a, a, good, a good sense of response on this one. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that we actually need to backtrack a little bit and, and set this up because Soft Stuff was on a, a very wild ride, growing pretty consistently. Um, but Lois and I were the entrepreneurs and not the um, by-the-book business people. And things, as it probably normally happens to businesses, got a little out of control in our finance um, systems. And we needed to correct that. And one of our steps to correct that was to find um, foresight, uh, which both John and, and uh, Russ are associated. Um, and they brought a team in and really made a, it made sense out of our accounting systems and were able to, to get us to a point where we can start planning. We're not perfect and um, we're still not there, but it gave us the ability to, to change our banking relationships and make them stronger and made us uh, really take our leadership uh, aspects in our business and look forward and, and in a healing fashion. And if we hadn't done those things and gotten ourselves onto solid footing, I'm not sure that we're as effective responding to this uh, situation that we were. That being said, um, John had told us we need to make some hard decisions. We need probably need to furlough some people, which is not something that we were We've never done interested that. in doing. Um, but so, uh, more, more specific. So you, you got, I mean, just so the audience really understands that, that, you know, you're selling into hotels, you're selling into 
you know, conventions and restaurant change. Right. And so one on one day, what percent of your customers closed? Was um, it? 100%. There you go. All of them. Right. So you've got to understand the, the severity of this. Right. You know, one day you wake up after nearly 30 years and mm-hmm. every customer you sell to is shut down. So there was murkiness that was, that's associated with that. And that is that, um, and, and by the way, totally apolitical. I want to say that Governor Larry Hogan of the state of Maryland, who is the chairman of the governor's council for the United States, um, is our governor. And he did an amazing job. And even though our business and many, many, many businesses in the state have suffered um, because of the hard decisions he's had to make, he did it to keep us alive. So understanding that when he made the proclamation at 1116 in the morning on Monday, the 16th of March, that at 5 p.m. all restaurants were going to close. You can't close hotels necessarily because you had people who were staying in there and people who couldn't leave, but food service went away. Um, we still had business. We delivered to people the next day and the day after that, the day after that. It just got smaller, smaller, and smaller because when your base of business is hospitality, and that is the last segment that's going to come back, if it comes back at all, in a recognizable fashion to what we knew prior to the pandemic, you know, you you need to figure out quickly what you're going to do. Um, I've said this before, you get it right or the bank gets your house. And I like my house. (laughs) So, you know, and I'm not saying we've gotten it right, but there were, through the good graces of, of, of the karma of the universe, a lot of things fell into place for us prior to this that allowed us um, to feel like we had some level of control in a, in a time where nobody has control. And it's, I really want to say this, that this is not a commercial for Foresight and Russ. I mean, we just happen to be uh, four people who are working together, who genuinely like and respect each other. But our reality was that, as Bob had said, we were entrepreneurs and are entrepreneurs, and we do things and react quickly, and maybe it's not by the book. And a lot of a lot, there's a lot of sloppiness for us that came that way. We were smart enough, though, over the last number of years to have aligned ourselves and hired some really sharp young people um, that took their responsibilities for their specific roles very seriously and had started in the beginning of February crafting, nobody knew it was a pandemic then, um, crafting their plan for what we were going to do if there were zero to five people in our area that had coronavirus because nobody was calling it COVID-19 then. And then what happens if there were six to to a hundred and, and, we they met with us regularly, and at first we we did the yeah yeah that's cute kind of thing. There was nothing cute about it. So um, when we had our conversation with John on uh, May the uh, March the thirteenth, and he said, "Okay, look, you know, something's not going to be working right here, and you guys need to figure out who's got PTO, who you can make take that. What are you going to do with the salespeople?" And he gave us the freedom to make the decisions as adults we needed to make instead of worrying about the, the 47 personalities that make up soft stuff. And not that those personalities aren't important because they are, they are what make us who we are. 
sometimes you have to do hard things in order to save the, 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 the structure of the business so you have something to bring them back to. And it was doing them a favor to some extent. The people we needed to furlough needed to do that quickly and, and get in front of the line to get unemployment. So we did that. We had a plan and we'd already talked to our leadership team, which are the people I referred to as the smart young guys and girls here. Um, and I use the term guys generically. Um, so at 11.45, after the governor had finished his, uh, his speech, we got everybody together and we said, okay, this is what we need to do. So we already knew who we were going to furlough. Um, our HR director already had the resources in place. She was able to quickly uh, send that information to the, to the state of Maryland's Department of uh, Unemployment. We got everybody in the front of the line. Because the reverse of that is if you don't do anything and you really expect that you're going to be the phoenix that rises from the ashes, what do you do with people who show up for work every day and the phone doesn't ring and the trucks don't need to go out and there's that impending sense of doom? Everybody has an inner voice. Whether they choose to listen to it or not, it's another story. But what happens is when you have 40 people in a building or 47 people in a building, there's rumblings. There's what's going on. They start to shushy. To, my mother used to say that shushki. They whisper to each other. Um, there was no, there's no hiding the fact that our industry went to sleep. It hibernated. So we needed to remove the pain factor for them. So they could go home. This was before the CARES Act was passed, the, before they knew they were getting $600 more a week or whatever it happened to be. But you have to treat your business, you have to treat your people humanely. It's not about you. It's like when you have kids, it's no longer about you. When you have a business, it's no longer about you. It's about everything holistically and how, you, how you're going to approach it. Yeah, I mean, you... And I said this to you the other day, I think what you did in, in maybe an hour is you walk through the levels of grief almost instantaneously with the eye on what can you do that's best for really everybody. And like you said, hey, bulk application for unemployment, you're ready to go. You're probably the first one, who knows, in Maryland to apply quickly. Oh, yeah. You know, so you're every, you, you put everyone at the front of the line. So you you focused on what I saw was present day. This is, this is it. This is what we can do. And then you do something else and then you go from there. And in, in a lot of ways it showed, I think, incredible resolve, but also respect that, yeah, I'm going to get them in front of the line because my sense tells me this isn't going to be necessarily a short term thing. So I've seen it where people have hung on to people, not wanting to deal with that only to have to deal with it later. Right. You know, two, right. three, here we are May one today, uh, you know, six weeks into this, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, so from going to that, you know, you, you were somewhat as best you can prepared walking and, you know, getting the notification. Did you know that was coming on the 16th? Did you have a Absolutely sense like Absolutely not governor? Okay. So it was new to you. You didn't have any insight to governor Hogan. He's going to do yeah. this on the state. And so you get word somehow, right? Did you just hear it online well, or in real time on the, TV, the, uh, yeah. on the okay. TV in the conference room? So you're all sitting there and you're watching this thing going, okay, at 5 p.m. today, every one of your customers is shut down. That's what I would hear. That's the yeah, message. It's weird. That's exactly yeah. what we heard. And then what, do you, what is the, what was that like? I mean, I can picture it. It's got to be, you know, horrible. But, you know, you don't, I mean, just describe, just describe watch, watching that. So we, we've been referring to our leadership team 
And was the team with you when you were watching it? Yes. Yes, they were. Okay. It wasn't just the two of you. Okay. Right. And, and we, we don't run the business by consensus, but we do depend heavily on their opinion and their input. Yeah. And we involve them in those things. We uh, um, differ from them in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the uh, um, youngest of those, that group, uh, hold us to a, a responsible standard <laughs> that you would think would be reversed but they are the conservative ones who say we can't do that so fast. We can't, you know, we have to test it before we, we run it. So having all those components in the room were important and they were already prepared with a, uh, a threat level um, standard Mm -hmm. that we were going to hold against um, the situation. So we were, we were already prepared to make a move. And that, at that moment, we talked about what is, what is our bare bones need for running this business, even if there's no business. Yeah. And we yeah. took ourselves from 13 trucks down to five trucks. So we, we kept five drivers on. Um, and we kept warehouse to a staggered schedule. So they had, we reduced their hours but kept them on. And gave them split shifts so each could make some money. Right. And then, uh, and then we, we committed to our leadership team that they were going to be present because we needed them to navigate through our, our swivel. Um, not even knowing what that is. No, we had no idea. Yeah, no idea. So all you're doing is, you know, doing what John talks a lot about is to react to this. Hey, number one, figure out how to conserve cash. Right. That's your lifeline. Right. So, so are they, I don't want to touch on the cash thing, you know, these are extraordinary times and people do extraordinary things. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean extraordinary in a positive way. Collectively, the entire uh, economic ecosystem said, wait, whatever cash I have is my dry powder and I'm not paying you. Our customers don't pay us. We don't pay our vendors, you know, and, and, and so on and so on and so on. And then you, you, you wait and you try and figure out how to breathe, right? Because you you know that you got rent, you're going to have payroll, you're going to have insurance, you're going to have your basics. And if you have no incoming cash flow, what are you going to do for the outflow? Right. So um, it was a really interesting thought process that we went through. And actually, here we are seven weeks later, we're, we had a lot of inventory, you know, millions of dollars of inventory that we had, because we were up 21% for the first nine weeks of the year over the same time frame last year. So we were loaded for bear, as they say, business was great. We do business in the DC metro area, fairly recession proof, high levels of, of education and, and high levels income. of income. Uh, you know, it's the American dream as they say. So we had enough inventory for the most part on hand to get through. Obviously if you have no business, you have plenty of inventory, but as it started to move a little bit or we were figuring things out, we've just started seven weeks later to actually buy things. So, yeah. Um, that's a good sign to show that there are green sprouts out there because other people have started to to wake up. The, the, the daffodils are poking their heads out of the it, – it's, it's spring. Some people are – 60% of the industry shut down. And of that 40% that's around, if you take out tra- chain business, you know, your Chick-fil-A's and, mm-hmm. and McDonald's and, and those guys, um, you really don't have a, a solid sense of, of what's left in terms of the independent restaurateur or hotelier you know, convention centers, conference centers, meeting places are done. They'll come back whenever they can figure out a new plan. Um, 
segments of our business are going to be paralyzed uh, hors d'oeuvres, right? When are you going to go to a party and eat off of somebody else's tray? They'll figure that out. But for us, we needed to figure out what it was we were just doing. And it was very touching because we had members of our leadership team who, you got to think about this, by age, there were three generations removed from World War II and four or five generations maybe from the Great Depression. We all, you know, they, we had the Great Recession. But most of those people are from right around here, so their lives weren't so dramatically impacted by it as they were in other parts of the country. We had people come to us and say that share their level of commitment for the company, not just Bob and myself, but the company, and say, if you need me to take a pay cut, I will do that. And you know what? It still chokes me up when I think about it. We didn't ask them to do it, and we didn't do it. They're still getting paid exactly what they were being paid before. But you know what they're, what they're delivering to us now or to the company? Because it's not Bob and myself they're delivering to. They are delivering to the overall mission. is different than what they were doing prior to the, to the 16th. But in some ways, it's so much greater and so much better. Because before, we were kind of on autopilot. We were doing what we were doing. Yep. We didn't have to rethink how to fold the – this is origami, and we'd have to think about how to fold the paper. Now these guys are saying, well, you know, you can take it and make it look like a buffalo. You can make it look like a butterfly. Mm. Okay. So we're open to ideas. And they seem to be they seem to be working. We're certainly not at the level we were before, but I am actually proud to say we were only off 64% for the month of April compared to April of 2019. <laughs> Which is better than, than the, the couple weeks before, which we were doing 20% of what we were the last year. Right. But the real story is what we did when we realized that we had assets and infrastructure and we yeah. needed to do something with it. Why don't you tell me about that? Okay. So um, we had some friends over for dinner on the 14th, a lawyer, a doctor, a nuclear, no, a rocket Is scientist. this a joke? Yeah. No, no, this is, this <laughs> come to my house, right? Walk into a bar. <laughs> yeah, walk right. into a bar and a, uh, a family therapist. There's two couples and, and they're our best friends. And they're worried about us because, you know, the, the, what's going to happen to soft stuff? What's going to happen to Bob and Lois? What's going to happen? Because bad things are happening. And our friend, by the way, is a doctor, happens to be a pulmonologist for Kaiser. So everybody has their unique perspective on where the world is heading. And uh, I said, I'm not sure what we're, what's going to happen. I don't know what we're going to do. And they looked at the two guys, looked at each other and said, uh, happened to be Israeli. And they looked at each other and they said, uh, you know, you know what they got, right? They got trucks, refrigerated frozen trucks. They got a warehouse. They could be a morgue. Oh my God. So <laughs> we started thinking about, okay, what is the non-traditional versus the traditional ways of thinking here. Mm. So when they left, Bob and I talked about it some more. And Sunday, we sent an email to leadership and said, come in here tomorrow, which was the 16th. You have to have read or reread Who Moved My Cheese and bring us a list of five ideas of what we could do to reimagine the company if the company went away. Where is the cheese? And we whiteboarded it. I came in with mine, Bob came in with his, Ileana and Darren and Connor and Steve and Mary Jo came in with theirs. Everybody gets a shout out. Everyone's equal and wonderful. Um, and then we settled on 
we need to be consumer facing. And we, we started. We did write oh, yeah. the morgue idea and we talked about it. And if anyone wants to buy www.midatlanticmorgue.com, give me a call. <laughs> we went out and took URL in case those you, So you, you took that one seriously. We did, you know. That's by the domain. So, so the math was that at that moment, was that 40% of the people were going to get the virus mm-hmm. and 2 to 3% were going, mortality die. was going to happen. Yeah. So that was a million and a half people that were going to die. And somebody was going to have to belly up and take care of that. Um, fortunately, we didn't choose that. We chose shopsoftstuff.com, <laughs> which was a direct consumer model. So, Bob, was that, you know, when you whiteboarded this, I didn't, I didn't realize that, that you had done that. So even, the, the, even the, the, you know, for that to come up for you, say, hey, read that book, we're getting together, bring five ideas, the entire leadership team. Was that sort of a common one across everyone's idea list? Yeah, a couple consumer? people did, did, did uh, think about that. Everyone had that on their list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And it made sense. It, I mean, you just had to look at the infrastructure we had and it, it, it made sense. Yeah. Um, and then everybody, no matter what their job was, said, what do we have to do to make this a reality? Um, our IT guy started building another instance of our, our ERP system so we can have a consumer facing uh, website off of it. Um, our HR person started training in Facebook ads so she could manage that part. She took all her classes. Those guys are working remotely. Mm-hmm. She and did everything at home. Everybody committed to putting their shoulder under the load. And, and, and within four weeks, we built a grocery store. We sourced products that we didn't have. We didn't normally do uh, anything in dairy or, or protein. Um, we even uh, sourced flowers. We're in the flower business now. Both uh, types of flour. Flour by the sack and flour, uh, floral Stems. flour. Yeah, for Mother's Day. So we turned that up on a week and a half ago, the 21st. Yeah. Um, it's actually, it was, it was a, week, a week ago Wednesday. And we've been stumbling through. But we've also had tens of thousands of visitors to our site. And that was before we went out and engaged with uh, Mightier and uh, – uh, for them to help us craft our, our message and plan. But this is a situation where we're back 30 years ago and we're able to um, just make stuff happen. And it's very interesting to see the rest of the staff here, not just the leadership, everybody get excited about that. This is almost a startup and it's, it's, it's been exciting to come to work every day and and uh, figure out how to build this. I mean, it really is just recreating your business. I mean, not just. I mean, it's. On, I, I was actually quite shocked to see, in a good way, that you were able to pull that. I couldn't believe you got go soft stuff up so quickly. So to, I love what you said. Hey, we just swiveled. We took what we did for, you know, the hospitality side, and how can we deliver that on the consumer side? And also, you know, you're bringing in brands that aren't necessarily available to the consumer, right? Unless they're totally not, they're not. So it's, you know, these are not uh, your kind of standard product offering. So really unique opportunity for consumers to enjoy stuff that they may not have had access to. 
So, you know, and, and who did you even anticipate? I mean, who knew, right? I mean, there was a push. I'm in Wisconsin, so here locally that, you know, hey, do the takeout, all that kind of thing. And I think that's starting to diminish. And so there's at least what I see with your model for consumer, direct to consumer is it's an it's a way for you to, hey, I don't have to go out. I don't have to expose myself. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I don't have to mask up and you can deliver to me. Right. So the country's going to open up. We can't mm-hmm. stay shut down forever because that would be a horrific reality, right? But what it looks like in each pocket of the country is different. What's going to happen in Wisconsin is going to be very different than what happens in the D.C. metro area versus mm-hmm. Miami or just, you know, Luxy, Mississippi, right? Um, so we have to look at who are – understand the psychological profile of who our customer is. And we look at what the industry is adapting to. We have to understand the economic constraints on no matter how high a uh, wage earner we might have in this area, um, everyone's affected. And at some point, and I love the restaurant industry, it's been my life for my whole life. And the same thing for Bob. And we support the restaurant industry and hospitality and, and, and entertainment and travel. Um, people can't afford to continue to eat out or not eat out rather because they don't really have, they're worried about their own personal finances. So they're what the experience is for either having takeout or delivery. We had delivery to the office yesterday, which I would also like to, to actually touch on this for a second. We're an essential business and being do, deemed as an essential business did not doom Bob and myself to being stuck in our house. So we get up every morning and nothing's changed for us. Get up, you take a shower, you get dressed, you get in your car. Instead of taking 45 minutes to get to the office, it now takes 17. It's always sad to me when there's no cars on the road. And it's been that way for years. When we had the government shut down last year, when there weren't cars on the road, I would say to people, you know, you might be happy that that you're getting places faster, but that means that there's no business being done. Mm -hmm. So this is just like the the mega... uh, show of that. So anyway, um, so we get to come in here every day, unlike people who cannot leave their homes. So we go to the office, we come here, we come here, and then we go home. So we have been able to maintain a really strong level of normality in our lives, which other people might not necessarily have that luxury. So I would like to say that we are grateful for that. And there's so many different things that I want to be able to say to other business people out there. I got to say that maybe one of the things that that helped us be as agile as we have been over these last number of weeks, and we were already working on Mid-Atlantic Cold Storage, which is a a cold storage uh, business that we had been planning on doing, and we've decided to move ahead with that anyway, because, you know, like I said to you the other day, Ross, you can only die once, right? Yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, you take the hill, Um, is that we're really good networkers and that's not from a selfish perspective. You belong to an organization. Bob would say, you know, if you're going to be a part of it, be a part of it. Don't just show up, be present, get involved, know people. And we've amassed a really nice, large, far reaching network of people over the last 30 years. And it was never about what they could do for us. It was always about how we could help them. What, who we knew how you can connect a person A with person B 
and step back and watch the magic happen. It's a good feeling to be able to help people. So I think it's because a large part of that, because of it, is that um, we had a lot of contacts. We knew people in the poultry business. We knew people in the seafood business. Somebody else introduced to someone else in the, in the beef business and so on and so on and so on. And those were people who were hurting in their businesses as well. And they saw us and said, oh, you know what? This guy's been doing this for going on 31 years. I got to know a thing or two. I got to move my meat. I got to move my chicken. I got to move my seafood. Sure. Let me get with them and see if we can build something together. I don't expect it's going to be, you know, monumental overnight, but at least these people, at least Bob and Lois can be sure and steady and plot along and figure out a way to make it all work. So when I think about advice that I'd like to share with the community at large, it is sometimes about getting out of your own way. It is about going to um, meetings and organizational uh, events. And, and when you meet people, try and figure out what it is you can do for them, not what they can do for you, because that's what people remember. And I don't mean that from any contrived and, and you know, uh, calculated way. If you're genuine, people know that. You have to do it authentically. Otherwise, which is an overused word. So, you know, but it is true. You have to be really authentic about it. And then you make phone calls where you send out emails and say, this is what I'm thinking about. How does it affect you? How can we work together? And from the perspective of a woman owned business, because that's what we are. We're certified. We bank, go, we bank women's business (laughs) enterprise, national council. Um, And this is very true about most diversity business owners. Even though Bob is not a person of diversity, I am a woman, and that puts us in a unique and different category here. I suffered for a very long time, for many years, with being afraid that people were judging us as not being worthy, not being large enough. You know, we did tens of millions of dollars a year in business. Um, And I thought, well, they're going to think that's just not big enough, you know? And I meet people like John and Russ who say, what are you kidding? You know, you've got to figure out that 95% of the companies in this country don't ever crest a million dollars in, in revenue. So if you're doing 17 or 20 or whatever it is, 15, depending upon your years, right, um, you have a legitimately large size business. Don't be afraid of what other people think of you, especially now since there's been such huge disruption and nobody's books are going to look good for a while. Big companies, publicly held companies, mm-hmm. small companies, whatever it is. This is your ultimate opportunity for a do-over. People that you were afraid to talk to who were financial professionals or start a relationship with a bank, now's the time to do it because you have exactly the right amount of time if you start now. We had exactly the right amount of time when we started with John and Foresight back in October. And we we talked to a bunch of different people before we settled on them. Um, my feelings were that they were extremely um, kind, and I, <laughs> I'm sure John will weigh in on this. I said, you can't, I can't work with you if you're judgmental. I can't. It's just, it hurts too much. And he wasn't. He was very kind. He's been very kind to us all along. It's because they gave me, not Bob, because Bob's fearless in other ways than I am. He gave us permission to be able to open the door and show people exactly how messy our closets were and then said, okay, you pick this box up, you move it there, you do this, you do that, which is, you know, an analogy for this is what you need to do for getting your 
payables right, for getting your receivables right, for getting your banking relationships right, which then led us to move from a national bank to Howard Bank here in Maryland. And the key thing is, is they came to see us when May the, I'm, I'm sorry, March the 12th, which was the day before we had the big conversation with John about who we were going to need to furlough and said, don't worry, we got your back. We did not start our banking relationship with them until February 5th of 2020. This would be a different conversation if that didn't happen. They helped us get PPP. We, 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 Bob was doing what he needed to do to run the business. I was doing exactly what I needed to do to um, apply for every loan and grant that was out there. Because we've networked well over the years, we got a call from the Maryland Department of uh, Commerce and we were given an opportunity to be one of the five, five worksheets that were submitted by the gov- to the governor to get Maryland declared a total state of uh, a, a disaster area, which then gave us the opportunity to apply for the EDIL, and we were number 41 for the state of Maryland. The whole point of this is that nothing happens if you can't actually steer your plane. Every one of those pilots that take those planes up has to spend a certain number of hours preparing um, in those simulators. There was no simulator for this. None. None. You had to do it yourself. But because we had worked so closely with John and, and Russ and the team, we at least were ready to try and figure out what to do next. I used to sit to sit around with Bob before we met these guys and say, who's got the keys of the castle? Who can show us what it takes to scale? You know, nobody ever told us you'd need another $200,000 a year in operating capital to sustain a million dollars worth of growth. You have to get away from being afraid of yourself and afraid of what people are going to tell you in order to be able to find your way out of this deep, dark hole. That's me soapboxing. I'm sorry. Now I'm what she said. I was just going to add something. I think you said, I mean, cause I've known John for a while now too. And you're like, Hey, I can't work with you. If you're going to be judgmental, that does not mean John wasn't incredibly straight with you. Oh no, there's a Picture difference. It. There's a big difference. It's not a loaded thing. It's like, this is the facts. And, and to, so, so I don't want that to be lost that this isn't John sugarcoating anything. That man pandered. Never. He's right. not nice. No, he's lovely, but he tells – there's a difference, though. You can tell – you have to find people who to work with whose personalities mesh with yours. Just yeah. because you get along doesn't mean they're going to tell you what you want to hear. It's yeah. okay to say you look fat in those pants. Well, I think that's the, how you say it. I think the important thing is that John immediately felt like he was invested in our success. And it wasn't coming from a, I'm a consultant and I know better. He mm-hmm. – he was he was going shoulder to shoulder he with us. Value. Well, I th- I think that's really a, a key to anybody. I, this is for uh, anybody you bring into your business needs to be a partner, an emotional partner, um, because otherwise you've got the wrong person. It's the wrong fit. If they're not invested in your success, so for instance, we we brag about Bob and Lois. So it helps it helps us a lot to know them. We're proud to know them, and I think you have to have that mutual respect in order to make a good partnership. And, uh, 
we kind of really look for that type of business rather than one that just, you know, how high can we build these people is not really a goal of ours mm -hmm. because that's a short-term solution. And again, we're looking long-term. So it's interesting that you use the word partnership. It's something that we have woven into our philosophy, which is uh, that our, our commitment is to be um, a partner to everybody that we touch and that, and we define our, our customer as everybody. Um, you're our customer. There's a transaction, and we and we are responsible to you for certain things. Our, our employees are our customer, <clears throat> our traditional customer, our vendors, our community. Everybody has to be um, a true partner for us to be successful. And Bob, I think it would be a disservice to the audience if you didn't. I mean, I love, I don't want to say it for you, but your expression about getting the plane off the ground. So you got yes. I, I used it a couple times yesterday with great success, by the way. So thank so, you for that. So uh, for me, <clears throat> speed to market is a messy thing. I, if, I, if I had the, <clears throat> my druthers, if I decided I was going to open a hot dog stand, tomorrow I'd be on the corner with hot dogs. Um, and that's not how people work in the real world and especially in our leadership team and, and our IT guy. So when we decided we were going to be an online grocery store, I wanted a website up immediately. And he was testing and coding and testing and, and retesting. We had, we had our, <laughs> we had our strife. Um, and eventually I said to him, look, we need to get the plane off the ground. We'll finish it, building it in the air. And that's that's the philosophy of, of getting... I, I, I loved it. And I, straight up, I used it a couple of times yesterday and people are like, oh my God, that's great. It's about <laughs> do something and don't over plan. And, and, and I can see that in what you've done in the past seven weeks. It's just do something and self-correct. Do something well, and self-correct. One, one thing I think is significant is the... Um, um, it's been a while since we've had a crisis uh, uh, economic situation in America. I mean, we've been really blessed since World War II. We've had ups and downs, but we haven't had catastrophes. And so you, there's a different set of skills in a catastrophe than there are in, in uh, just turning the crank every day. And so this is a time for Mavericks to shine yeah. and to give into your wild side a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, and like Lois said, there's only, you only die once, so... So what the hell? You go back yeah, and move yeah. in with your mom if you have to, but there you yeah. go. You did something. You didn't just right. fall over. Yeah. Well, you know, in the past, everyone says their trite business expressions about, you know, failing forward and leaning in. And uh, you know what? What we said all, to everyone in the organization when we launched was that we were expecting what we would call sweet failure. We didn't expect it to go flawlessly. We didn't expect that we were going to uh, get to the same uh, – uh, revenue level in a week that we had taken us 30 years to build, but we were going to learn from it. It would be sweet failure. We'd figure it out. And you know what? Learning how to put up Facebook ads and figuring out how to um, properly deploy capital to hire people who know more than you do. Let me tell you what, um, being able to pick up the phone and call somebody that we've known, she's been in business for 10 years and we've known her for the last five and has a, uh, uh, one of the most respected um, internet advertising video production companies, Meteor, if I'm going to give a shout out to Liz, 
and having her take the call and saying, huh, mightier, mightier, mightier. I'm sorry. It's too much coffee this early in the morning, mightier. Um, And having her take the call and say, you know, I always liked you guys. You're always really nice. Yeah, sure. Let me see what I can do to help you. We wouldn't have known her. And now we're feeling very confident that we're building a second stream of business here, a, a sister company. And because of knowing people like her, that's going to help us. The social studies group, which does media listening and trend watching. It's my cousin, Wendy. But you know what? I can call Wendy. We take a meeting and she then helps us. And we're paying these people. We're paying them because I don't want anything for free. But you, you assemble who your people are. You put your team together and then you figure it out. Because a lot of people that you deal with, you guys deal with, are in the consulting space. And they can't figure out how to move from consulting uh, in a channel A to channel W. Just think about it. And then start. And if it's wrong, fail sweetly. And then just move a step to the left or a step to the right. It's a line dance. Yeah. So to kind of bring it home... You've launched a week and a half ago with consumer facing model. And, you know, we talked yesterday about, and I love, Lois, I love your expression that, hey, we didn't pivot, we're swiveling, because you're now starting to think about how do we swivel back? What's it going to look like with our legacy customer base when they come up? What that's going to look like? What do we do internally to meet the needs of that, you know, when they, if and when they all come up? And, so it's a complete swivel. So now starting to keep an eye on that and how do you be best prepared when they come back? So it's very interesting that, that the effort we made to build the grocery um, provisions mm-hmm. has immediately affected our wholesale business because oh. the products that we didn't normally um, carry are things that the people who are still open need and may not be able to get or get in um, small enough quantities. Manageable quantities. <clears throat> so our, in the poultry business was nothing we were in. And all of a sudden, the fact that we'll break a case and sell a 10-pound bag instead of a 40-pound case is very attractive to our wholesale customers. Right. Yeah. And they like that we have milk, and they like that we have butter, and they're buying it from us. Yeah. And that's increased our sales to some extent on the wholesale side. It absolutely has. And – when we start to open up and those wholesale customers come back, we're now a healthier company and are able to service them in a, in a better way. And their needs are different. Mm-hmm. So as they open up, they're not going to be as busy as they were when they yep. uh, eight weeks ago and can't order in the rhythm that they ordered then. So they're larger broadline distributors who want to sell them a case and only come once a week may not be the best partner for them. But we'll be able to come Every five day. days a week and sell them a broken case. So it's made us stronger in, in, the, uh, in the wholesale business. And, and the swivel really is important because we're able – we have to actually transfer inventory back and forth from system to system because we thought everything was going to go grocery, and now we need it back in, in wholesale. Right. So – is there anything you want to leave our audience with at this point? I know this is, it's going to be a journey for sure. I mean, as I said earlier, you know, when we were talking offline, this is like the ultimate predicament training 
you know, like, what do you do next? Is there any kind of last thoughts you want to leave with our audience? Here we go. Wisdom, hope, nope. Bob. You got some wisdom. Come on. Nope. I have no wisdom. <laughs> the airplane story. That's the wisdom. Lois hasn't awesome. given me wisdom today. <laughs> I have none. Um, you know what? You can't roll over and die. You have to keep moving just one foot in front of the other. And, and there, you have assets. You have, have infrastructure. Figure out how those are valuable in this situation and keep at it and don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. For me, failure has never been an option. So you have a choice. You choose to give in or you give yourself over. And I say, you give yourself over to the new process. You're not the same person you were yesterday. And you're certainly not going to be the person that you are tomorrow. We raised our kids together. Bob and I have two kids and we told them every day that they were a work in progress and that they would never peak. You have to keep working, you know? It would be terrible to think that you, at 21, those were the best years and you were downhill from there, right? Every day you're a work in progress. You have to keep reinventing yourself. You have to stay um, keenly attuned to what your customers are telling you what they want. You just have to be able to listen. And I just think that uh, taking a few minutes every day to be just grateful that you, you got through no matter how banged and bruised you feel, will give you the power to go on for the next day. Agree. Awesome. John, any last thoughts? Well, I, I think I, I agree with both of those thoughts. And I, and I think that the, uh, the combination of uh, being prepared uh, and, and then stepping up, like they just spoke about, is the, that's the, that's the one-two punch. And, so, and we're all going to have to do it. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. And really, I mean, you have the, 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 it's somebody to lean on <clears throat> and that's what I see. And I really appreciate your, you know, your attitude, your resilience, how you demonstrate it. And you're not, you don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks who want to own it all and kind of have it be their thing. And you have no reservations about leaning on whoever you can lean on to help, but it doesn't, what I've noticed is it doesn't come from, you know, self-serving kind of thing. You're looking at it from a different holistic perspective, you know, cause I, I would suspect from a business financial perspective, it doesn't make sense to break cases and do things you would do, but it comes in the spirit of how can you help, you know, help people. And so I just love that about you guys. Thank you. You have to figure out what gives you joy. It yeah. gives me great joy to help people. It gives me great joy um, to work with Bob every day. You know, we're couplepreneurs as, as opposed to just being entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I guess really what it comes down to is you got to want it. Yeah. No matter what it is in your life, you just got to want it. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people reach out to you? What's the best way to contact you if they want to have a chat? Or- so for me... Uh, uh, my email address is Lois, L-O-I-S-G, at gosoftstuff.com. Um, my contact information is on our website, go, www.gosoftstuff.com. Um, and I'd be happy to connect with anyone out there. Uh, I love to hear ideas. I love to hear opportunities. I love to hear your story. Awesome. You need to get a hold of me. It's Bob G at gosoftstuff.com. And we'll be glad to help any way we can for anybody. Um, and 
if you want to see what we've done on the grocery side, our website is uh, shopsoftstuff.com. And um, I'd love some feedback if anybody has uh, brilliant ideas. And I hope everybody is, uh, stays safe and, and is well. Great. Yeah. John, what's the best way people can reach out to you? John at foresightcfo.com. Or, or look at our website, foresightcfo.com. And I'd love to hear stories of people, how they're pivoting in this new environment. Because yeah. it's going to be a whole new world. So if you have an idea, let me know. So foresight, F-O-R-E-S-I-G-H-T-C-F-O.com. Um, I can be reached at russ at 3yg.us. Um, any questions you might have, you can send them to sales at 3yg.us or on Twitter at inner underscore sales. Um, we'll have show notes available for this at 3yg.us. Um, you can find us anywhere you can find podcasts. So we'll be on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Overcast, wherever you uh, subscribe to your podcasts. Um, thanks, Bob and Lois and John, for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been fun. Thank, Thank you, you, Russ. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Well, you well.